Hey, um, we've had an awesome series of this joyful January so far, um, and I'm just doing part three of this. And the uh, first thing I'm going to do is going to open up in prayer, uh, because I'm praying that, uh, that there's some spiritual realities that you guys are going to open your eyes to this morning, that we're all going to see together uh, maybe a shift in what we perceive as our reality here on earth, um, and I'm just going to pray for open eyes. So thank you, Father. Lord, we just declare that these eyes in this room be opened just as the servant of Elijah's eyes were opened when he looked out and he saw the army of the enemy ahead of him, and Elisha said, don't worry about it. There are more on our side than on their side. Open your eyes. Lord, open his eyes, and he saw all of the armies of heaven around him. Father, I pray that this morning the eyes of everybody would be opened, that, that hearts here are softened, that there's good soil here for the seed of your word to go out to, Father, the incorruptible seed. And this morning, Lord, I just pray that it's by your Spirit that I'm empowered to speak your word this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Now, it's awesome to see a few new faces this morning, and, uh, and it's awesome to see those that I see here every Sunday as well. It's a blessing to be a part of this family. Just in case you didn't know, the vision of this house is to reach and impact the community and the world with the gospel, seeing lives transformed and people empowered to lead and to serve in every area of life. Amen? That's the vision of this house. If you're coming into this house, you're coming under that co-papa, and everything that we do, everything that we look at, every, every ministry we operate here, every time we come here in the morning, say hi to someone, every hug, every greeting, every cup of coffee that is mixed and made has the purpose of seeing lives transformed, of seeing people empowered to lead and serve in every area of life. So that's my prayer, that everyone in here would be not only growing to lead and serve, but will be building and edifying others to do so as well. Amen. Uh, the first sermon of this month was brought by my good friend Dave. In fact, the first sermon of this decade was brought by my good friend Dave Ramsey. I was looking after a sick bub at the time, so I wasn't here to hear it in person, but I've had the, um, the privilege of listening to it online. Um, one thing that he brought that I felt was a little heretical uh, that I just want to point out is, uh, is that he said that he is not a super-duper joyful person. And uh, I'm just calling you out on that, my friend, because joy takes many forms. And while it's not always overt and extroverted and bubbly, um, your joy that you, uh, that you have welling inside of you and that laps out around the feet of others is a joy of steadiness, of constance, and of just, um, you know, walking with the Lord for as long as you have with, uh, with such grace and with such confidence um, I admire you, and you've been a great supporter mentor for me. So you do have joy. You do have joy, and you give it to others. Another great gem that Dave brought is that joy is not happiness. What? Yeah, and I, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Joy is not necessarily happiness. Happiness can be a fruit of joy, um, but joy is not necessarily happiness. Joy is what took Christ to the cross, is something he just skimmed over there, but I just want to open that up. That comes from Hebrews 12, verse 2, and it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's joy that carried him there. I love how he said that joy is not a result, it's a cause. It's joy that carried him to the cross. He wasn't joyful because he went to the cross, who would be? But it was joy that carried him there. 
Pastor Ruth brought an awesome message as well, speaking speaking about Isaac and um, and digging digging new wells, and um, and she brought out three cheers. She said, "One, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world." It's a good reason to be cheerful. Be of good cheer, for your sins are forgiven you. Amen. And be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. She said that joy is not taught, it is caught. And I pray that in our family here, we're constantly catching people alight with joy in this house. Amen. Amen. Laughter keeps you young. It's science. Amen. Laughter keeps you young. It's science. Yeah. I need to laugh more. When opposition comes, she said, dig a new well of joy. You can choose to take joy in the situation. There's a common theme running here, isn't there? That joy is not dictated by your circumstance. Amen. Amen. To me, joy is constant. Joy is untroubled. Joy is often unreasonable. Is it unreasonable to be full of joy when you're going to a cross to be crucified by the very people you've come to save? That's just unreasonable. But that's the nature of joy, true joy. Amen? I love this quote here from Mother Teresa. What she said about joy, she said, joy is prayer. Joy is strength. Joy is love. Joy is a net of love by which you can catch souls. I love that. Joy is a net of love by which you can catch souls. You give the most when you give joy. God loves a cheerful giver. Never let anything so fill you with sorrow as to make you forget the joy of Christ risen. What I want to talk about today is that joy is a matter of perspective of reality. Both what is your reality concerning yourself? Who are you? What is your reality concerning your situation? What do you see? What is the source of joy? What is the source of your joy? Where does it come from? And my third point, taking it from an understanding, taking it from here down to your feet and walking, walking out that understanding. So my first point, a perspective of reality. What is your reality? You see, there is a kingdom of God and there is the world. When you were born into this world, you were born into the world. You were born into the reality of this world. When you have an opportunity to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you actually have an opportunity to step into a new reality, a new spiritual reality. See, when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you take on His Spirit and you become a new creature in Him. And my prayer this morning is that our eyes are opened to this new reality that we enjoy as followers of Christ, as believers in Christ, as people who have Christ dwelling in us, as people who are born of Christ. Amen? You and I are citizens of heaven, and what we need to do is learn to walk according to that reality. Amen? So what is your reality concerning yourself? Who are you? 
I shared a bit of my testimony last week and that my reality was before Christ, BC, was set in what I did. It was set in my job. It was set in the opinion of others about me. But this is not the true reality of yourself that God really wants you to see. You see, when if you are believing and living under the facts of the world concerning who you are, your joy is going to be crushed. Your joy is going to be crushed under the weight of work, of expectation, of comparison, of anxiety, of abandonment, of addiction. Your joy is going to be crushed by the weight of sin. Amen? If we are believing and living under the facts of this world. If you are looking to the world for your identity, then your identity relies on the opinions and perspectives of others. And who knows how fickle and changing they can be. Your identity relies on societal standards and prejudice. How the world sees you. Societal standards. I, I always... I, I used to spend money according to my sense of entitlement. I used to spend money according to what other people who are in the same as me had, therefore I should have, because according to society, I should be living like that. I tell you, that's one, that's a really good way to get broke. <laughs> and two, that's a really good way to sow your root of identity into shaky ground. Because as soon as that's tested, your, your self-identity, who you are, crumbles. And when we don't really know who we are, we're lost. And we're open to all sorts of attack, I tell you that. We will never earn enough. We will never work enough. We will never have enough. We will never be enough if we live from the world's reality. Now, I feel I'm speaking to someone who is stuck in that world reality right now, feeling they are not enough, that they don't have enough, that they are not good enough. We're often, a, a symptom of that is that we're often hanging out for the next big thing in our life, the next milestone. It's hard now, but it will be fine when I finally can buy that house. It's hard now, but it will be great when I finally get that girl, when she finally sees me. It's, you know, our marriage is rough now, but if we have a baby, it'll get better. <laughs> this is what happens when we are laying our foundation of our identity in the world. Amen. So on to the good news. What does the Word have to say about who we are? This is a prayer of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. In John 17, 13 to 19, and He says, But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Who knows that you are the fulfillment of Christ's, Christ's joy? His joy is fulfilled in you. This is your part to play. This is why He did what He did. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world. That word of, that means origin originating from. They are now not originating from the world. Why? Because He's given us His Word, because He's given us Himself. He is the Word. He's given us Himself, and now we do not originate from the world. Keep with me here. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. 
that they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. We enjoy the same identity as Christ. Amen? Sanctify them by your truth. In other words, sanctify them by me. We are sanctified by Christ, sanctified by His blood. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they may also be sanctified by the truth. Christ's identity for us is to be the righteousness of God in Him. Amen? You and I are born of His Spirit. We're born of Him. We are the righteousness of God in Him. Anything else that enters your head is a lie. This is the truth. We are not of this world. As a believer in Christ, you are, in fact, a new creature. Amen? Born of the incorruptible seed of Christ, you have a new origin that is not the world. You're a citizen of heaven. The old is gone, the new is here. That's from 2 Corinthians 5, 17. All of the weakness, failings, and sin of the old man are no longer part of your true identity. You are dead to sin and alive in Christ. Who in this house is dead to sin and alive to Christ this morning? Who feels free in this house this morning? Who feels a joy well up that cannot be quenched because they are born of the incorruptible seed? Dead to sin, alive in Christ. This is the reality we need to walk in and to speak over ourselves. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God this morning. That's the truth. Romans 5.17, for if by the trespass of one man, and it was great, this scripture was brought this morning at our morning prayer time by Dave. This was fantastic. This has been my, my verse for the week. For if by the trespass of one man, that's Adam, death reigned through that one man, death ruled. The wages of sin is death. Death ruled through the trespass of one man, Adam. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace? Was that for me, was it? For if the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, overflowing provision of grace, never-ending provision of grace, limitless provision of grace, and for the what? The gift. Someone say gift. Gift of righteousness. What did you earn to earn, what did you do to earn your Christmas presents this year? Nothing. <laughs> well, I tell you, when you get a gift, if it's given correctly, you have done nothing to earn that gift. You can't do anything to disqualify yourself from that gift. And such is the gift of righteousness that we are given from God. The gift of righteousness. So God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness, how much more will we reign in life through that one man, Jesus Christ? Do you feel like you're reigning in life right now? Do we feel like we're reigning in life? You know, sometimes I don't feel like I'm reigning in life. 
Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I feel like life's raining all over me. <laughs> but we don't worry about our feelings. You know, and this is, this is it. This is not a fake it till you make it thing. This is a take, take your glasses off, let the scales fall from your eyes, pray the prayer for God to open your eyes to see the reality of the kingdom around you, and you will see that despite the circumstances around you, that you are reigning in life because you, your origin, your seed is firmly planted in Christ. That is who you draw your strength from. That is who you draw your joy from. Your joy is not a result. Your joy is a reason. And it comes from Christ. The circumstance around you can't change your joy when it's from Christ. We reign in life. Sometimes we have to speak that truth over ourselves, amen? We know, we learn it, that, that there's the power of life and death are in the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So we need to speak life over ourselves. We need to speak truth over ourselves. I'm telling you the truth this morning. Christ is telling you the truth. The Holy Spirit is knocking on your heart and telling you the truth. And all he asks is that your tongue would move and you would speak that truth over yourself. Amen? Right in the midst of sin, right in the midst of the lowest of low of your life, you speak that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am more than a conqueror. I am an overcomer. I stand in the victory of Christ. He has crushed death at the cross and he has risen new with me. Whoever in this room would sometimes feel sin rise up and feel condemned by that sin. I know that we can. I know that we can feel that. I'm telling you that condemnation is a lie. This is what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to get your eyes fixed on the sin. Now, we've learned that we are no longer alive to sin. We are dead to sin. We are a new creation. Amen? So, therefore... Sin has no place with us as a new creation. So when we feel that anger, when we feel that, that addiction, when we feel that, that wrong feeling rising up that we recognize as the sin of the old man, there's a very key thing we must do. We must speak the truth out over that situation and reckon ourselves absolutely dead to that sin. Amen? We are dead to the sin. We are alive in Christ. Romans 8.1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What is your reality concerning your situation? We understand now who we are, who we are in Christ. We are the righteousness of Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. In 2 Kings 6.15-17, and uh, I think we're going to hear this verse a bit over the next few months and over this year. 2 Kings 6, 15 to 17. This is when uh, Elisha, Elisha has been a bit cheeky and there's a kingdom going after his, his kingdom and he, he's, God's telling him all their secret plans. So he's going to his king going, oh yeah, they're going to be camped out over here, don't go over there. Oh yeah, now they're going to be camped out over here, don't go over there. And, and this king that's trying to invade, uh, in, invade this country uh, is being thwarted at every turn, and he's, he's looking at all his advisors and going, who, who's the rat? Who's the mole? Who's giving them all the information? And they're going, no, no, it's not us. It's that guy, Elisha. He's just got this direct line to God, and God's just like giving him all our secrets. 
Even the things you say in the private chamber of your room, he's telling, God's telling Elisha. You know, he's got your iMessenger account on his MacBook. And, and every time you send a message, it's popping up on his, his computer too, you know? And, uh, and anyway, so this king goes, right, well, I'm going to deal with this guy. So he sends his army to surround the place where Elisha is. And, uh, and this is through the night. So in the morning, Elisha's servant gets up and he walks outside. Uh-oh. And he sees chariots all around. The enemy is surrounding him. And he rushes back into Elisha and he goes, um, um, there's like a whole lot of people out there. And I'm going to read you the, script, uh, the scripture, 2 Kings 6, 15 to 17. When the servant of the man of God, that's the servant of Elisha, got up and went out early in the morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what should we do? The servant asked. Don't worry about it, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. This is why I pray that the Lord would open our eyes because quite often the situation you find yourself in when you look at it through earthly eyes when you look at it through the lens of the world is not the truth of the situation as far as God is concerned an end that you see as an end could be a beginning to God an absolute mess that you're living in could be the beginnings of a testimony to change someone's life a trial that you're going through right now that you cannot see the end to, that you are feeling the crushing weight of, could be the pressing that God needs to produce the oil of anointing out of your life. Amen. Open your eyes to the spiritual reality and you will see that heaven's armies are on your side, that no weapon forged against you shall prosper. I'm going to read this passage from Romans 8, which is, it gets me fired up every time I read it. Romans 8, 31 to 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He didn't stop short of giving his own son for our redemption. So why would he not give us everything the son has in that kingdom along with his risen life? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. It is not how many followers you have on Instagram who justify you. It is not how many likes I got for that post that I put up about my wife on Mother's Day. It's 121. <laughs> but that doesn't justify me. It's not even when I get home on a Sunday and do all the dishes at 10 o'clock at night. That doesn't justify me. That's why I don't do it. 
then who is the one who condemns? No one. Christ who died, more than that, more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for you. It's also interceding for you and for me. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I love this. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we, you and I, are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors, for I am convinced, yes I am, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, come on, are you excited about this? Neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If that's not something to be excited about this morning, I don't know what is. If that's not something to spark that joy up inside you, I don't know what is. Open your eyes to the reality of your situation. There was a woman at a well who thought she was just a woman who had multiple husbands and was now with a man who wasn't even her husband. She just thought she was a sinner. She thought she was good for nothing. She thought she couldn't even talk to a Jew that was sitting at the well. She thought she was just going to get water. She thought that there was just another Jew sitting there at the well, but she had her eyes opened and discovered the reality was that she was in the presence of her Savior, and she was the woman who would carry the good news of salvation to her entire village. Another woman thought that Jesus would save her brother from sickness thought that he would come along just in the nick of time and stop him from dying from illness. When he didn't make it in time, she thought that her brother was lost. She thought that this was an end. But eyes were opened, and she saw that Jesus had a bigger plan for Lazarus, that God would be glorified not just in his healing, but in his resurrection. And that story of that resurrection would echo for thousands and thousands and thousands of years and build the faith of many, many followers of Christ. The Jews thought that their Messiah had come to free them from Roman oppression, that he had come to wage war and become an earthly king. But eyes were opened and the reality was revealed that our Savior came to set all people free from sin, to fulfill the law on our behalf, how many times? Once, once and for all, to be a king of kings and a lord of lords. And I am standing in a room now full of kings and lords, and Jesus is our king. He is our Lord. He is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, a new line completely separate from the line of Adam. And we are the brothers and sisters of that line. And he is the firstborn in our family. To defeat death, to remove its sting, and to reconcile us with the Father in eternal life. Thank you to Jesus, for death has no more sting for us. Amen? Amen. If you are going to pray one prayer today, let it be that for God to open your eyes to the heavenly reality on your situation. So you know the reality of who you are. You know the reality of your situation. 
Now, what is the source of your joy? Where do you draw joy from? Where does it come from? If true joy is meant to be constant and untroubled, then the source needs to be reliable, constant, and untroubled. If our joy is reliant on external factors such as work, performance, earnings, reputation, likes on Facebook, social media interactions, then our joy is going to be just as fickle as its source. This is called trying to chase happiness, and it's just like trying to chase a rainbow. Such utter disappointment when I realized that was not possible a couple of years ago. And that pot of gold, man. Still chasing the rainbow. Galatians 5, to 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The beauty of all these things that against such there, a, there is no law. The Word tells us that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit come and reside in us when we receive Jesus into our lives. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do just that at the end of this sermon. When you receive Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior and you open your eyes to a new spiritual reality, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells inside you. And one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, just one, is joy, unshakable, uncrushable, unchangeable joy. The thing is about fruit is that as long as we remain connected, the reality is the fruit will grow. We don't have to try or strain or chase or work hard to try and develop a joy in our life. We simply have to recognize the truth that it is a fruit. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Amen? Amen. Joy is inevitable as we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit. It's good. We've only got 45 minutes to go. So now we understand who we are. We understand where we are. We understand where joy comes from. Now's the tricky part. How do we get it from an understanding down to our feet? How do we get it from our head to our feet to walking this out? every day of our lives. Because I know, I'm, I'm under no illusions that the life of a Christian is often very challenging. There are many trials. There are many, there's many, much opposition that we will face. And the joy can be attacked. <laughs> so how do, you, how do you deal with when you feel that crushing anxiety or when you feel that addiction, when you find yourself deep in the sin and feeling of condemnation that creeps in. The voice of the world gets loud, and the voice of God seems to grow dim. What do I do when anger takes over and when sin rears up in my life? What did God do on that first day of creation when He looked out into the void? He spoke. And what did He speak? He spoke what he didn't see. He spoke what was the opposite to what was there. He spoke a reality, a spiritual reality out over the void. He spoke light, and then there was light. 
He didn't wait for the light to be switched on and then go, oh, there's light. In the deepest, darkest moments in your life, that is when you need to activate that faith. That is when you need to speak that life, that spiritual reality out over that darkness. And that is what will turn on the light. That is what will spark the joy. Speak life into your situation. Speak life over yourself. Believe it to be a reality. Speak God's reality over your life, over your mind, over your identity, over your situation. Believe. Belief is faith. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Believe you are alive in Christ. Believe that Christ died once and for all. Believe that death no longer has mastery over you or him. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Reckon yourself dead to sin and walk in the resurrection of Christ, that new life. Do not acknowledge sin as being part of who you are because it's not. That's what the enemy wants you to look at. He wants you to see the illusion of distance between you and a loving father. God had the perfect plan from the beginning, and Jesus carried it out. And any distance that you feel between yourself and your loving father is an absolute illusion and lie. It is a distance created only by your own perception of an incorrect reality. God is right here, right now, and he wants to meet with you. And he wants to be with you. And he wants to empower you. And he wants you to see that you have already overcome. He doesn't want to help you overcome a struggle. He wants you to open your eyes and see that it's already been done. Amen. He wants you to see that you are walking over the circumstances and not under them. It is finished. Christ didn't say on the cross, it's sort of done. I'll come back in a few years to just shave a little bit more off the top. Christ on the cross said, it is finished. It is done. You know, it's almost as if to keep going back to that cross and to keep saying, no, oh, I need to keep, keep dying, keep dying every day to this, is almost as if to say that Christ didn't do a good enough job the first time. And if I were a father that had set up a plan like he had, it would break my heart to see my kids not realizing who they are. It would break my heart to not see my kids reigning in life. You can reign in life. From right now, you can reign in life. It is done. It's over. It's finished. When God looks at you, he doesn't actually see you anymore when you have taken on Christ into your life. He doesn't see you. He doesn't see what you're doing. He doesn't see what, what you've drifted yourself apart with. He sees Christ in you because that's why Christ did that. That's why he went to the cross. He took our place so that we could live in him, so that when the Father saw us, he would see his son, his perfect son, and we would be the righteousness of God in Christ. Romans 6, 8 to 14. I'm going to round up with this. Now, if we died in Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he gives, the life he lives, 
he lives to God. Amen. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Who's been brought from death to life this morning? Amen. Who's been brought from, from where sin reigned, from where death reigned in every part of your life to where you are now reigning in every part of your life? Amen. In Christ. And offer every part of yourselves to Him as an instrument in the worship team. Come and join the worship team. For in sin shall no longer, for sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law but you are under grace an awesome place to be amen and there's one way that we can do that there's one way that we can get to that position of unlimited never ending grace there's one place that we can go to receive that gift of righteousness that cannot be taken away there's one place you can go to be free from sin, to be free from the world, to be free from pressure and anxiety. You're going to experience these things in your life, but when you are in Christ, you are above them. When you are in Christ, you can see them transforming you. You can see the character building. When you're in Christ, you can see that there's hope. When you're in Christ, you have an eternal perspective and you can reign in life. So I want to give you that opportunity this morning to receive Christ as your Lord and as your Savior and to take on that Holy Spirit and to start producing that fruit of joy in your life and to start reigning over those circumstances that have been plaguing you. So just out of respect, I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed. And in this moment, if, if something that I've spoken about this morning has resonated with your spirit, if something has left and you've felt there's a truth in here and you've recognized, hey, I need to receive this Christ. I need to live this new life. I need to become this new creation. I would be absolutely honored to pray a simple prayer with you to receive Christ into your life this morning.